Welcome to Expert Opinion, the branding business forum where leaders share their views, insights, and experiences from the world of B2B branding. And now, here's your host. Welcome, everybody. Um, this is Andrea Fabri today with you. I'm the Managing Director of Branding Business in New York City. And today, I'd like to welcome on the Expert Opinion podcast series, Gene Zaino, who is the president of MBO Partners. He's an accomplished and nationally recognized expert in the contract workforce market. He launched MBO Partners with the vision of reinventing the way independent consultants and organizations work together. He's a frequent speaker and has appeared in a variety of publications and as a subject matter expert, as well as radio, TV shows such as ABC News, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Inc. Magazine, New York Times, CNN, and so on. So I'm really, really honored today to have him uh, on the Expert Opinion Podcast. Uh, welcome, Gene. Andrea, thank you very much, and it's a pleasure to speak with you today. One minor just addition to what you just said is that I am no longer the president of the company. Actually, we brought on a great uh, chief executive officer who ran the global consulting business for PwC. But I am the founder and executive chairman, so I don't. I want to make sure that uh, we don't minimize uh, our, uh, our CEO's role. All right. Well, thanks for the clarification. All right, Gene. the The topic today is uh, one that is top of mind of many, many, many people and many executives. You know, I have grown up in the business world always hearing that it is absolutely important and essential to separate personal life from work. And I think that uh, that wall has been uh, completely dismantled in just a span of minutes uh, or hours in the last, uh, certainly in the last few weeks because of the health crisis that all of us in many, many, many countries around the world are enduring. And uh, th this crisis is forcing companies to shift overnight the workforce distribution, the workforce management, which suddenly uh, was accustomed to be working in the same office altogether, and now they're working from home. I've attended meetings in the past few weeks uh, where suddenly there, there were uh, infants passing by, there were senior people passing by doing calls and so on. But that aside, which is very entertaining, this radical and immediate shift is uh, very much likely to have long-term impact as companies deal also with the economic impact of this crisis. It's also forcing companies to explore new ways to manage uh, the workforce, to build a culture. So, and the, the new situation is certainly accelerating what probably was already happening. So uh, you and I have known each other for some time. And I'd like to, to ask you the, the first question, uh, you know, as I said, things have been happening now and, and companies are dealing with the emergency uh, overnight and they have to. But uh, it, there were already forces in place that already were influencing how companies were thinking or maybe were starting to rethink the workforce model. Uh, can you talk about those forces a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. It's a very interesting time, Andrea, as you say, and you know, uh, the, the workforce is certainly going through another transformation of, of understanding even further how to work remote. And you know, there's very interesting things. We just recently, 
uh, we did a little bit of a survey because our company now is working 100% remote with about 150 people um, working from home for the last three weeks. And we wanted to know, you know, how, how are they doing? And, um, you know, it's interesting. Many of them say, hey, I finally turned on the camera and I got comfortable with it. And I actually feel more connectivity with people because it's easier to communicate with them now. And I'm able to communicate with more people more frequently with a camera. Now, on the negative side, they're seeing that the, the challenges are, certainly now during this pandemic, that they have children at home that they need to homeschool and they need to deal with. And, you know, uh, so they're, bal- they're balancing and their stress level between learning, you know, new ways of, of working and also being able to manage the parenting of their children is, is a big challenge. Anyway, I wanted to mention that because that's kind of new news for me. As far as the forces that are already in place that that I think this current situation has actually accelerated is there's been a growing need over the last 15, 20 years, and certainly more so in the last 10, five, five to 10 years, of companies needing to be more agile. Things are changing faster than they've ever had before. Companies need to be more adaptive whether it's global competition, whether it's new business models, and most importantly, it's things like new technologies that they need to learn how to implement. And all of this leads to really a different kind of business model that companies that have been around for years are figuring out or trying to figure out how do they adapt. And most of this is having a much more flexible workforce. And in the past, um, you know, companies have an HR department and those HR people are focused on their employees and benefits and care and feeding of those employees. And that's very important and that's not going away. But the only other way they would use flexibility with a non-full-time workforce would be to go out to you know, vendor communities and um, you know, consulting firms and staffing firms. And, and that's handled through generally through the procurement or financial uh, uh, section of the business. And those people are really good at buying things and, you know, but they're not good at necessarily their skill set is not necessarily dealing with people like your HR department. So what we're seeing is that there's been a trend of programs being set up just to deal with this new segment of the workforce, which we named the independent workforce. And these are professionals that have chosen to go off on their own. They're generally high talent people. They're generally nine years or more in experience. They have a strong expertise and they have chosen to take control of their own career and work across several different companies, companies that they like to work for, companies that they probably have known and they've worked with in the past, but now they have a diversified income stream. And then from the company point of view, They actually prefer to have a larger group of people that they could tap into when they need them, but not have to pay them when they're not needed, which gives them a more broader sense of skill set. They have a wider reach, but yet a better cost structure because they're just just using people when they need them. And it's kind of a a win-win-win, and we're seeing that as as a huge trend. And, you know, further to that, it's actually easier now for people to do that, uh, Andrea, because there's, uh, it's really, to start a a one-person business, it's much easier today. There's a whole industry to support 
these types of freelancers. You know, there's a Google Cloud, there's Cloud, there's Google, there's Square, there's Intuit. Uh, even, you know, MBO has its own support structure for independent consultants. And, you know, as the baby boomers have, you know, kind of reached a point where they don't want to retire, they want to stay relevant, they can't afford to retire, they're very knowledgeable, they have a lot of experience, well, they tend to work this way and maybe do a little bit of a project and then take some time to themselves, you know, work on, on other ways. And really, instead of using their retirement capital that they've invested over the years, they're using their, their network capital by leveraging the relationships with with people that trust them to do work on a, on a project basis. So those are trends that have been happening over the last 10 or 15 years that this has only accelerated this change uh, because people now are getting more comfortable working from home and companies are realizing they need to diversify their workforce further and this is a way to do that and reduce risk. Right, so in that scenario, the, the workforce in the future is some is gonna be employee and some are gonna be independent you know, so in other words, there is going to be a, a very different model emerging for the company as a whole to manage the quote-unquote workforce. Yeah, I see it as a third channel, uh, Andrea, very much what you just said. You, you will always have your full-time core people that have institutional knowledge about your business. You will always need to go out to expert vendors and suppliers that, that are businesses that could um, deliver solutions to your business. But you will have a third channel, and this third channel is building a relationship with independent freelance consultants that you will curate and have relationships with that you could send work to when, when you need it and when they are able to do it. And it's a relationship that is, is positive on both ways because the individuals want to have a client base, a company that they can work with that's maybe you know, five, six, seven companies. They don't want a new client every time. And as a business, you don't want to have to go look for someone new every time that you don't know uh, that doesn't understand the business of your business. So you want to build and curate a community of talent that you will have a relationship with and have a process that I call to become a client of choice for them. Just like you want to be an employer of choice for your full-time people, you want to become a client of choice for this high-talent freelance community and independent workers that have chosen to go off on their own. And generally, they're high-talent people because for them to be able to afford and to be successful on their own, they are delivering a pretty valuable and in-demand skill. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's very, very interesting. Is uh, This independent uh, uh, channel emerging um, uh, makes me, though, uh, ask you, makes me want to ask a question, and that is, Traditionally, companies have always protected very much uh, the, the knowledge and the capital, the intellectual capital that they own through their employees, right? Leading them to pay sometimes even high salaries for those people that they really wanted to. Is this new channel changing uh, that or uh, reducing the proprietary, proprietorship of knowledge that a company has? and potentially weakening that, or is it reinforcing it? Very good, very good question. Um, first of all, I believe there will always be the need for your uh, talent that you're gonna have as full-time employees that are very valuable to you, and that, and that won't change. However, in terms of scaling that, and perhaps having the concern of intellectual property leaving your organization because they're not quote unquote your employee, 
as opposed to them being, quote, an independent worker that you're paying as business to business to their little one-person company. Technically, from a legal point of view, I'm not a lawyer, but I could tell you that employees actually have more rights to keep themselves um, protected and from being sued from a former employer than do a independent contractor that's a true commercial business-to-business relationship. You actually can create an intellectual property uh, agreement with real teeth in it and, and penalties that could be much more enforceable from a business-to-business relationship between your business and your independent contractor business than you can with an employee who has employee rights that are, are governed by both federal and state laws. So, you know, for instance, non-competes are not very enforceable in many states. Um, mm-hmm. And, and um, uh, however, if with an independent contractor where you're building a commercial relationship, they're actually far more enforceable. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, you know, I, I can clearly see the advantages of this, uh, this model. You know, I, I think about the parallel of what you're describing with Airbnb, where people with multiple properties um, are leasing out their properties. And so if I have multiple skills, I am, quote unquote, uh, making my skills available to a variety of um, of, uh, you know, of a potentially clients and the clients benefit, uh, you know, given what you said earlier, agility, flexibility costs, but also the client benefits, uh, probably more stability. But is this model applicable for everybody? You know, here we are, you know, there are a lot of people that uh, are faced uh, with uh, job insecurity, a lot of clients uh, that are now dealing with this um, situation or work from home. Is this uh, a model that is applicable to all businesses or there are some businesses that are a better fit for this model? So our experience, um, and we've done a lot of research in this area, is that it's it's very applicable to businesses that have project-oriented work. Um, you know, think of the old days of, not even the old days, but traditionally you would think of the entertainment or the movie industry, right? There, people would go to a set, they would pull together local people, whether they're extras or they're camera people, or uh, that's all. That's traditionally always been a contract workforce. Um, in in a business today where you have lots of projects, certainly the professional services business or consulting business or uh, research um, and development. Uh, But today, many businesses have the need for a project, whether it's new technology you're implementing or new marketing plan you're implementing or, uh, you know, new workforce uh, transformation or or internal uh, change management. Uh, There's there's usually needs for projects. So the more you have a need for project-oriented work, the more this type of specialized workforce that you could tap into when you need it, as opposed to trying to retrain uh, existing people. Uh, you know, one of the benefits of independent workers is that they tend to focus on what they know how to do best. And when you are doing something that you know how to do best and you do it over and over again, you know, the old rule of doing something 10,000 times, you're an expert at it. They tend to do do that work really well, and they could do it very efficiently and for a better cost and actually make more money, certainly if they could even 
set it up as a fixed price. So if you could imagine having a portfolio of specialists that's at your beck and call when you need them, that's just an incredible power of a network. And that's really where today's new business models are moving. If you look at all the new successful business models and you know whether whether they're you know Amazon or or you know any of the you know Netflix and if you think about them they have a ton of content or a ton of specialization that people consume as they need it and that's the new business model and it's a modern business model and a modern business model needs a modern business a modern workforce and having this third channel of independent workers and specialists is really an important component for the modern work workforce and modern business models. Yeah, and particularly in a time of crisis where you need to be looking for uh, new opportunities to create value and new opportunities to reorganize how your company is structured. But last question that, that I have for you is, is this uh, emerging model potentially challenging the whole notion of building a brand culture? In, in your own direct experience, uh, you know, what is is this is, is this been a challenge, and uh, what has been the way um, in which companies have still created, uh, although leveraging this independent workforce, still created a sense of attachment and brand um, for these clients that uh, for these independent uh, workers, which when they're working for a client, they have to represent the brand, so they can't just be lone rangers. I totally agree. That is a problem, Andrea. And I think, you know, companies are trying to struggle with that and figure that out. You know, the, the, the example I like to use that is, is um, you know, kind of been around for a long time, that is not a good thing to do. Uh, but because of the, there's lots of laws around worker classification, which, you know, we're not going to get into on this call. But, um, you know, there's a big issue is this person an independent contractor or is this person really your employee and if they convert to being your employee from a legal point of view even though you're paying them as an independent contractor do you have you know liability and penalties and benefits to give to them retroactively so what companies do is they kind of give them you know a red badge as opposed to a green badge right and you know if you go into a big company and you go to their lunchroom you know you could always identify the independent contractors because they're they're not allowed to sit with the employees they have to sit you know on the other side of the room and they have a different color badge which is just kind of crazy so what's happening is companies are trying to figure out you know how how do i do this and and again curating a group of people that you know or that you could build relationships with and really need to fit the culture of your business. And there are things you can do to help them. There are things you could do to, to uh, provide them infrastructure or other, other tools and even mm -hmm. seminars on, on, on ways that you want them to operate. Um, uh, you gotta be careful that you don't cross the line of them being perceived as employees by the local states and government agencies that would be anxious to want to reclassify them as an employee so they can get their tax, tax uh, payroll taxes and things of that nature. So that is a, a fine line to, to, um, uh, to balance. Uh, and to, but the, the, the issue of um, culture is, is something that is working in some companies that you can, you can see where it's actually becoming uh, an extension of their, of their work, of their full-time workforce and they're working well together. But it does take a lot of effort, and that's why it needs to not be 
handled just by the people that buy stuff, like that buy vendors or products. It, in, and the HR people are really focused on the full-time employees. So it needs to have a separate level of focus, certainly in large companies, where they could actually become that client of choice and yeah. also uh, build that curated community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it needs to be managed. This is not something that yeah. um, you can leave and hope for the yeah. best. Yeah. Now, well, it, I mean, just it's, uh, just just to, just to quickly, sorry, Andre, but just to, you know, one good example is you know Amazon. You know, I'm sure you've seen the Amazon drivers. They come with the Amazon truck, and they wear the you know they, they've been they've been able to balance that pretty carefully to have these independent contractors still kind of fit into their world. Anyway, that's, yeah. that was just the last. Point. That that's true. Uh, I was aware of them uh, as I was preparing for this conversation. Well, it seems to me that um, you know they say out of crisis there are always new opportunities that emerge. Um, certainly, has been true uh, in my life. I'm sure it will be true for for this crisis. I wonder if um, the workplace is becoming more humane and we're moving away from the platitudes that you always see on the walls and posters. So collaborative, you know, in inventiveness and, and so on. Actually, we're getting to something that it's more real. What form and shape it will take, we will see. Um, I'm sure that you'll be uh, a leader in that space, um, uh, you know, you and your company. So I thank you very much for your time, for your insights today, and uh, look forward to uh, speaking with you in the future. Thank you, Gene. Thank you very much, Andrea.